We have been looking at these rhythms of faith here in James chapter 4, and we're uh, dealing with the the last uh, one of these series of commands that he has in verses uh, 7 through 12 here uh, this morning. And and we're talking about our speech. Uh, A lot of these others are, are hard issues, and we don't realize that our speech is a hard issue as well. See, we've got a choice. We can speak the name of Jesus uh, we can go out and use our name for harm and destruction and uh, use our words for, for harm and destruction uh, and, and things like that. And, and, and I tell you, there, and I'm definitely in light of what we're, we're saying. I, I, I don't want to stand up here and be a judge, but something's wrong when we can sing like we just sang and praise the name of Jesus and then Five minutes after we walk out of here, use that same mouth to attack and destroy and tear down. And that's what James is talking about here. He's, he's talked earlier uh, in the book of James, back in, in James chapter 2, where he, he talked about uh, the idea that we say we have faith, but we don't have the works to back it up. And when we're talking about works, we're not just talking about our effort and the things that we do, but one of those works that really reveals what's going on in our hearts is our mouth and what we say. It's our speech. And uh, we need to let the Holy Spirit just speak to us today. And if he convicts you, let's make some changes. If he encourages you, let's, let's follow through and do what he's encouraging us to do. That's what the Word of God is for. It's not just something that we study to fill up our mind and to have more knowledge, but it's something that we follow and live through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And so having said that, follow. let's back up to verse 7, just remind you of what we've been looking at in these rhythms of faith. And you see the commands that are given here where number one, he says, therefore submit to God. And then he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then number th- the third command is there in verse 8 where it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And then we put these others together because they're dealing with the same idea of cleansing and purifying and forgiveness uh, as far as, our, uh, as dealing with sin in our lives where he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. And then last week we looked in verse 10 where he says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And then here we come to this eighth rhythm, rhythm number eight that is here in verse 11. And and some don't put those with the the seven that are uh, ahead, but I think it fits right in because it's the same format and the same command. It's just a little bit different because uh, of what he says here. He says, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. Because he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver. And by the way, we were just singing about him, all right? That's Jesus. There's one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. So who are you to judge one another? Wow. You know, we've been talking about all throughout the book of of James about let's get real. 
And a real relationship with God looks like this in our lives where we're really submitted to God. We're really resisting the devil. We are really drawing near to him. We are really hating sin in our lives and, and in getting rid of that sin in our lives. And we really are humble in the sight of the Lord. And if that's the way we really are, then we really will not speak evil against one another. It is an outflow of the heart. You know, it's easy, these first seven things, it's easy to say, well, I'm submitted to God. It's easy to say that, that I'm, I'm drawing near because we can't see in your heart and we can't see in your mind. And so you can say that, but he's saying here, if you're saying that, if it's true in your life, this is what it will look like. It'll affect the way that you talk. It'll affect the way you interact with your brothers and sisters. And so that re if you have a real faith, it'll show itself in real works in our lives. And so rhythm number eight here is just as, he's, as it's laid out here in the words that he uses here in verse 11, do not speak evil. Do not speak against is literally what the word means here. You know, I'm, as I was looking at that, I was thinking about different ways I could express that and try to be creative and cute and stuff like that. And I know I don't have to try hard to be cute, but, uh, <laughs> but as, <laughs> as we're... Uh, uh, you know, trying to be creative, I could have gone there and said, well, just control your tongue or keep your mouth shut. Or I could have just come up here and told everybody just to shut up, you know, uh, uh, and, and everything. Because that's what he says, do not speak evil against. Or, or you could have been on the positive side of that. Uh, just the positive way of looking at that is to be kind. Be kind with your words. Be, be nice with your words. And, and that's the positive way of, of looking at it. And, and listen. Let's, let's understand this. We get enough criticism and attacks from Satan and from the world. We don't need to be criticizing and attacking one another. All of us have to deal with that. All of us have to, to deal with that out there in the world, at our workplace, at our school, and, and, and sometimes within our own families. Among the family of God, we need, this needs to be a safe place. And not only a safe place, but a safe people. Because although we only, we only meet here, you know, uh, two or three times a, a, a week, you know, as, as, as a group. If you're involved in some small groups and stuff, you may be more than that. But still, we, we, it's the people, it's not the place. And so we need to take this to heart. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to examine our own hearts what, what is it that's coming out of our mouths and why is it coming out? Because you see, number one here, words hurt. Words hurt. It's not a person here that hasn't been wounded by the words of someone else. And by the way, there's not a person here that hadn't wounded somebody else by the words you've spoken. Words hurt. He says in verse 11, that's why he says, do not Speak evil of one another, brethren. So what's he talking about here? He's, he's talking about, when he's talking about speaking evil, he's talking about attacking one another. Now, when he says speak evil, I, 
you know, uh, as it's translated here into English for us, I, I don't really like the way it's translated because it says the word evil there, and the word evil is not really in this word. It is a combination word, but the word literally means speak against. It is words down. It's literally the two words that are, are put together. It's, the, it's kata, which is the idea of down or, or down upon or against, and it is speaking or saying words, words down. That, that, that's the idea of what he's talking about here. He's talking about speaking against someone, speaking, attacking someone with your words, words that, that will bring others down in their relationship with Christ, words that will destroy others. Don't do that. That's what he means. And, and the word itself may not be evil or may not be ungodly, but if it is it attacking someone, is it bringing them down? And, and not only that, but it's also the idea that we're lifting ourselves up on this pedestal and speaking down upon others that that we're saying that uh, we're, we're we're tearing them down and we're we're bringing them down and we see them as beneath us and we need to point out the error of their way that's literally what he's talking about words against it's the opposite of humility when we kataleleo we speak against we bring them down. We either push them down or we already see them down. And so we're the one in, a, in authority. We're the one that is lifted up. And we need to correct them from their miserable little ways. He says, don't do that. If you're submitted to God, if you're walking in hu true humility, don't do that. If you want to resist the devil, don't do that. If you want your heart to be clean and your heart, your heart to be purified and, your, and your, your life to be clean before God, then don't do that. Don't do that. You see, when it says speak evil, see, we may be thinking that our, our words, the word, what we're saying, it's not sinful what we're saying. It's not necessarily something wicked. We're not using curse words. We're not we're not using evil language or filthy language in what we're doing. And so it's that, that then we're, we're obeying this. No, 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 no. If it's against them, if it brings them down, if it, if it brings them down in their relationship with Christ, then that's what he's talking about. You say, well, well, what I'm saying is true. Well, he doesn't say that. He says, don't. Speak against them. You can speak truth or what you think is truth. It can still be against them. Any speech, listen to me, any speech that brings someone else that's been created in the image of God down, we need to avoid. We need to resist. We need to keep our mouths shut and not say those things. Anything that makes someone that is loved by God feel like they are not loved by God, we need to stop it. Don't say those things. Anything that is spoken to someone who needs the forgiveness of God in a way that drives them away from the forgiveness of God. It's harmful and destructive. Of course, 
There's a lot of words that would fall under this, a lot of categories. Lies, of course, would fall under there. Rumors would fall under there, whether they're, I started to say unfounded rumors, but sometimes we think if somebody told us that, then that makes it founded. <laughs> and uh, No, 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 no. Unnecessary words. They may not be necessarily sinful or wicked, and they may be true, but are they necessary? Are we attacking one another with our words? Words hurt. What we should be doing with our words, and subtly he puts this in here, but I think if he was, if James was here reading it the way that he wrote it, he would say it in this way. He would say, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. In other words, we ought, we're supposed to, according to what Jesus said, according to what the Word of God said, rather than speaking evil of one another, speaking against one another, we're supposed to love one another. That's the one another's that Jesus gave us. We're supposed to, to, to love one another, to care for, for one another. And so when he says one another, he's saying one of your own. And then he says the word brethren. And then he mentions the word brother there in verse 11 twice about speaking evil of a brother or judging his brother. So that's three times in, 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 in two statements there. He uses the word brother there. In other words, he's emphasizing we're all a part of the family of God. We're supposed to be loving one one another loving one another Jesus said over in John chapter 13 and verse 34 he said a new commandment talking to his disciples and they kind of had a trouble with this speaking against one another okay <laughs> they kind of had a little trouble with that so Jesus reminds, he says I'm giving you a new commandment it's not necessarily a new commandment that God's never told anybody to love one another okay like that but it's new to them <laughs> Because they hadn't been practicing it the way they should. He said, I'm giving you a new commandment. I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all will know that you're my disciples if you what? If you have love for one another. And it's new because they, they, they knew they were supposed to be doing that before, but they, they hadn't been able. We can't love the way Jesus loves unless we have Jesus within us to help us love that way. And that's what he's telling them, that the Holy Spirit is coming. I'm giving you this commandment now, tonight, because in a little while the Holy Spirit's going to come in your life. And when he does, this is how you ought to act, and you'll have the power to do it. Love one another. Over in 1 John chapter 4, and verse 20, he says there, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? You understand that whenever you attack a brother or sister in Christ with your words, you're attacking the bride of Christ. And I don't know a man worth his salt that won't stand up for his bride. Jesus loves his bride. Even though his bride's not perfect, he still loves her. Don't attack his bride. And not only that, but every time you say something against your brother or sister in Christ, you're talking about his children. 
You're attacking not only his bride, but also his children. And we defend our children, don't we? We're the protectors of our children. How much more a perfectly loving God. Now, he loves you, but he loves them too. And he doesn't love you any more than he loves them. And by the way, the same grace that saved you saved them. None of us are perfect. All of us need the grace and mercy of God. So why don't we show grace and mercy to those around us? Because words hurt. They wound us. They hurt our relationship with others. And they can hurt someone else's relationship with their God. Because we attack we tear down rather than encourage and build up and love. This is all to be a rhythm of faith. That we don't speak evil. We don't speak against. We speak for. We encourage. We move people toward Jesus. Not only do words hurt, but words reveal. Look at the last part of verse 11 here. We, we read the first part, the command there, but then he makes this statement. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. What, what, what's he talking about here? <laughs> you know, what, what's, what's going on here? And what is, what is he, he, he doing here? And what he's talking about is that our words, when we're speaking against, what that is revealing is that we have a too high of an opinion of ourselves. We are, and he just talked about, you know, earlier about humbling ourselves. And here's an uh, example of false humility or not real humility, not real surrender to God. It, when we begin to speak against others, it means that we have elevated ourselves, that we are more about me. And, and even when it comes to the Word of God and to the law of God, we're seeing that and we're interpreting that and how it benefits me and makes me look better and makes others look worse. And so that's what the Word is revealing. How does it it do that. It reveals that when we start judging people. He says there, he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother. So he ties these two things together. It's a way that we speak against is by standing in judgment over others. We're passing sentence on them. The word literally means, the word for judge literally means to, to separate, that we are separating certain things, picking them out of their life and saying that they're terrible people because they're not perfect and they have these things in their life, that they're, they're ignorant people because they've acted ignorant in certain ways, that they're, they're selfish people because they said something or did, and we're, we're picking out these certain things out of their lives that may not be in our lives. We may not be struggling with those things. And so we're, we're picking out those things. We're, we're judging these things. And not only that, but we're doing that uh, with the, the law as well. We're separating them ourselves from the law and, and separating different things there. There's 
In other words, there's no justice, no true justice because we're only picking out certain things and there's no restoration here. That's not what it means to judge. It's not the idea of judging justly or, or judging in a way that you're bringing someone to restoration. It is fault finding. It's unrealistic expectations. It's saying things and, and to keep them down and, and wanting others to fail so that it makes you look better. Jesus talks about this type of judging over Matthew chapter 7 where he says, these words are in red. They're, they're not my thoughts. They're not Matthew's thoughts. They're what Jesus actually said. He said, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank that's in your own eye? And how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And doing it with a totally different attitude than before. We say we are free, and we are in Christ. Amen? We're free from the law. We say our sins are forgiven, and they are in Jesus Christ. Aren't they? They are. But then we look at others and say that they've got to be perfect. That's not right. When we judge people, it reveals something's wrong in our relationship with God. And not only judging people, but if we're judging people, then we also are guilty of judging the law. That's what he says here when he talks about speaking evil of the law and judging the law. And if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. What is, what's he talking about here? He's talking about how sometimes we will pick out of the law what we want to use to judge others. We just pick out certain truths and then we ignore the other truths of the law. And we ignore the purpose of the law, which we'll get to that in just a, more in just a moment. But the purpose of the law is to point someone to their need of Jesus. That's, that's a good way to weigh your words. Is what I'm saying, is it something that God will use to bring them to him, to encourage them in their relationship with God? Now, that's, that's going to call for a, a lot of prayer and a lot of redoing the way we speak. But we need to be moving in that direction. Uh, the words that I say, is it going to move someone closer to Christ? Is it going to bring them up, bringing them up to Christ, or is it going to tear them down? Purpose of the law is to point others to their need of Jesus, not to drive them away. Because what is the focus of the law? Well, the focus of the law is to love God. You say, what? Well, that's what it says in the Old Testament law. That is the whole purpose of the law is to show us that. And Jesus uh, said that in, in an in even greater way when he was clarified uh, the thing there in Matthew chapter 22. And uh, in Matthew 22 in verse, well, let me just read verse 34. It says, but when the Pharisees heard they had 
he had silenced the Sadducees. They gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like to, to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophet. That's the whole purpose of the law is to move us toward God, to love God, to love others. That's what it means to do the law, not to judge other people's lives, to see if they measure up to the certain aspects that we want to po point out in the law. So where's our heart? Words hurt, words reveal, but I'm so thankful that even though we have our words and even though we messed up with our words, we have the word who corrects all of that. And what we need is a relationship and a daily dependence and control by the word. And his name is Jesus that's what he's talking about there in verse 12, that the word is our judge. Verse 12 says, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. There's one. Only one has the authority to judge, and his name is Jesus. He gives his laws for a reason. He is the law giver, but the laws were given for a reason and they weren't for us to use as ammunition against one another. The law was his idea. What does the law do? The law exposes our need for help. It, that, that specific practical part of the law that we cannot keep, it exposes our need for help, that we need help, that we are imperfect, that we are sinful, that we have sin in our life, and we need someone to help us our, uh, with our sin. And so the practical parts of the law, the do this and do this and do this, all it shows us is that we can't do it, and we need help. And then there's the sacrificial part of the law, which they would be familiar with in the Old Testament, that points to the fact that Jesus will provide the help. He is the helper. God provided the help through the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, as he paid the sacrifice for our sins. And so the law says, you need help. Jesus is the helper. That's the whole purpose of the law. And that ought to be what we communicate to one another. It's, hey, we all need help. And Jesus is our helper. Let me help you walk with Jesus. Let me help you find encouragement in Jesus. Let me help you find direction in Jesus. Let me help you find strength and freedom and power in Jesus. That's the way we ought to, to, to be. And the end result of that is that we love, that we read the, the greatest commandment of the law is to love God, and the second is to love our neighbor. And so we love the only one who can and will help us. And that this Jesus, he, that, how does that, what does that look like, loving God with all your heart? It looks like this, okay? It looks like submitting yourselves to God. It looks like resisting the devil so that he flees. It looks like daily drawing near to God. It looks like having an attitude towards sin where you cleanse your hands and purify your hearts where you daily humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And when you talk, you're not speaking against, you're pointing people to Jesus. That is what it looks like. 
He's the one and only judge. And we will stand before him one day. And let me tell you something. What he judges, he's not like us at all. Because when he judges, he judges perfectly. Mentions there in verse 10, uh, verse 11, or verse 12. <laughs> I'll get there. Uh, verse 12. It says he's the lawgiver who's able to save and to destroy. Now, why does it say destroy? Because he can destroy. And when he judges in that way, he is perfect in his judgment. He knows everything. He sees everything. Judge, earthly judges are not like that. Hopefully they're wise and hopefully all the evidence is brought before them and hopefully they make wise uh, decisions that are, are based upon true morality and, and with integrity in what they do. But there's no guarantee of that. There is a guarantee with Jesus. He will judge perfectly. And the reality is, is, is none of us deserves forgiveness. None of us deserves grace and mercy. None of us deserves a relationship with God. None of us deserves a place in heaven. None of us deserve to be a part of the family of God. None of us deserve that. But I'm so thankful he didn't just say that he has the power to destroy. What does it say there in verse 12? Who is able to save and to destroy. The good news is the same judge who, who judges perfectly in righteousness and can give us exactly what we deserve. He's the same one that can save us. The word save means to rescue us. That's what we need. And I got good news for you. That's what Jesus does. Jesus on the cross paid the price for our sins. He died for us on the cross. All our sins were placed upon him. And he, Jesus says, Father, don't judge them. Don't persecute them. Give me their punishment. Give me their judgment. Give me everything that they deserve. I'll pay the price for them. And now our sentence has been paid. Our debt has been paid. And we can have a relationship with God because the sin has been removed. Do you know this? Jesus have you been saved have you been rescued has he changed your life has he removed the guilt and the burden of sin every sin from your heart and from your life if not today would be a great day to be saved because he's here this one the lawgiver who is able to save is here, ready to save. So let's look at this final question where he says, who are you to judge one another? Who are you? Do you have real faith? Do you have a real relationship with a real God? Do you really know Jesus? Has he come into your life and changed your life in a real way? If he has, he's put real love in your heart. It ought to be expressed every day in your relationships with one another.